This is the Balanced Artist Podcast, where we help the purpose-driven creator's journey suck a little less and thrive a little more. Hosted by award-winning musician, TEDx speaker, and comedian, Rory Gardner. Who? We chat with experts who help level up your creative career by reframing your lifestyle as a balanced artist. Hello and welcome back to the Balanced Artist Podcast. Today we are speaking with the director of the highly anticipated film, The Private Eye, starring Matt Reif. A few weeks ago we got to talk to Denzel Whitaker, who's one of the actors in the movie, but now we're speaking to the director himself, the guy who wrote the film, and he's our, he's sort of overseen the entire creative process of how this movie came to light. I thought it was an interesting conversation because I never really get to talk to someone behind the scenes. It's usually the person in front of the camera, but it's actually cool to see how it manifests from beginning to end. Apparently, he started this whole process like 10 years ago, and then it took, I don't know, eight years to develop or something like that. We get into that discussion. We also get a chance to talk about you know balancing the creative with the business, maybe the importance of having a team surrounding yourself. I found that in my own career, just having people more talented than you makes you sound better, right? It's the same in the film industry. Working with people with a track record is also important. Jack mentions it's like a big waste of time when you you know deal with people who don't know what the hell they're doing, right? So in the future, it's a lesson learned. You just want to work with people who have a track record who you know can get the work done. Jack also mentioned this really cool concept, like working horizontally versus vertically. Like vertically is like when they want to get the biggest actors in the thing, whereas horizontal would be like getting the best actors. Do you know what I mean? And so having talent versus just a name, it elevates the entire film. It just makes it a better product overall. Matt Reif is on one of the biggest comedy tours in the world right now. And, you know, so he got on this film before he was a big deal, right? Sort of like Jim Carrey. I mentioned this in the episode as well. Jim Carrey got cast in Dumb and Dumber before he was a big star. Then Ace Ventura came out, and then his stock went way up, and Dumb and Dumber was a giant success, not only because it was an awesome film, but because now Jim Carrey was a star. And that's sort of what happened with Matt Reif here. He's, uh, you know, he was just a, a budding comedian a couple years ago, but now he's all over the world, and this is a perfect time to release this movie with him as the star. Another thing we learned with Jack is he talks about investors and how he was trying to fund this movie. He says people invest in momentum rather than the idea. So once the movie is actually in progress being made, that's when the investors jump on instead of sort of investing in idea. Anywho, we get into a bunch of stuff, and I would love for you to hear this conversation. Please enjoy it with Jack Cook. So you are the director of the highly anticipated directorial debut, The Private Eye, starring Matt Reif. That's correct. Do I have the right guy on the podcast? Okay, cool. Yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> and you were an actor a while for yourself, right? You did you did theater for a bit, and then you went to LA to pursue television and film. Like, what made you go the directing route? Uh, you know, I think in the end of the day, when I moved out to LA as an actor, I didn't know the right director. I feel like if I knew uh, people that I could collaborate with directorially as an actor, then I would have done a lot more acting. Um, but uh, I was auditioning, I, you know, I was part of the grind for a while with the auditions, you know, did a lot of auditions. But every time that I would uh, do a uh, audition and get a role, it would be it wouldn't be the role that I wanted. And I would I would even do background acting when I first got to L.A. And uh, I've gotten a, I've gotten a few uh, speaking lines on some big TV shows from that. 
but it was always uh, the role I didn't want. Uh, and then I, I wrote actually uh, eight years before we filmed it. So over like just over 10 years ago, I wrote The Private Eye. So actually I would be the lead actor in it. And then, uh, uh, you know, because I thought that was the best next step. Nobody was giving me the opportunity. So I figured I'd make my own opportunities. And then <laughs> getting into the filmmaking and the development of the film, uh, I was working with these producers at the time where they were saying, we need a star actor. We need a name actor. And um, at the time, we didn't, we, you know, I, I couldn't get that. I couldn't raise enough budget for that because, uh, you know, that I've never made a movie. And I was like, well, if I'm not acting in it, I want to direct in it, you know. And I, I wanted to so I have some type of art, artistic control. Yeah, creating your own luck is is a huge thing. That's your your story is not a lot different than tons of other people. I know Seth Rogen did the same thing. Like he just he oh, couldn't yeah. get a leading man role, so he just started writing his own movies. And dude, I feel you. I was I remember doing background like an overnight shoot on The Handmaid's Tale. It was probably the worst day of my life. <laughs> it is awful being a background extra on an overnight shoot. And you started the uh, the Illusion Islands, like your production company. Like why why the production company attached to? Is it just so you have more control? Uh, yes, and uh, you know the production company in the in the end of the day is. Uh, evidence and proof kind of thing where, uh, you know, you go, I, I needed to start a resume is all I'm getting at. And I also needed to have a kind of the person that gets beat up on. And that's kind of what the production company is, is where, you know, it, it gets all, all the problems, you know, it, it's a team, you know, I, I really needed to start a team and uh, it started with illusion islands, which uh, that was my goal uh with the production company but yes i needed something to like hone in all these projects i'm doing because one of the problems i had in making the private eye especially in the development aspect uh as a director you go to all these investors etc or however you want to do it and they want to ask well what have you done you know what have you directed and uh at the time i didn't direct anything so uh, you know i wrote the, i wrote the private eye with all intentions to uh you know i wanted to direct it and uh, I wasn't getting that opportunity. So I kind of put it on the shelf uh, and tried to pick up some other, uh, uh, you know, opportunities as a director to build my resume. And that's exactly what I did. That's great. So the the resume kind of gave you the clout. You, you create the company as a scapegoat for all the problems, but it also gives you a bit of clout in order to raise uh, the revenue to create new projects. Yes. And people can look at uh, the projects that we've done. I did form an awesome team. I think that's the biggest problem and why the private eye took so long was uh, I didn't have a team. And, uh, I, you know, and, and when you have a team, things can run smoothly, right? But uh, since I didn't have a team, it was kind of like discovering uh, along the way. And, you know, the whole movie-making process uh, I was discovering along the way. What's your team now? Like what, what roles have you um... – have you outsourced? I have a hard time relinquishing control. So if you if you're able to do that, then good for you. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing for directing is you. Uh, your job is not to do every uh, every job. I think you should be a perfectionist and trying to get the shots and communicate to your team. But I hire the best artist in the business. Uh, but really, my job is just communicating uh, my vision and hiring the right people. <laughs> that makes sense. Do you gravitate more now to like the business side? Do you do you are you more of the creative? Like I know you started creative, but now you're more business. Like what are you doing now? Balancing both? Business is more like 
I had to do it. You know, uh, I think every artist wished that their agents and their managers did all the work. And, uh, I, you know, I think every artist wished that, you know, the producers and everybody does the work for them. But, you know, what you realize uh, is that you, you have to do it yourself, not only because of, no, you know, you've got to create your own opportunities, but, uh, you know, that's what creates your style, you know, you, and, it, and it, you have more control over the art. Uh, like, I, I think it's more important to have uh, control over uh, the artistic standpoint than control over uh, all the minute things. For example, like Tim Burton, you know, when you watch a Tim Burton film, you know, all the set design and all the makeup, the wardrobe, you kind of know it has, it has a Tim Burton feel. So I think that's very important as a director, but I am 100% into the creative, maybe a little naive about that. But I, for me in my head, I think I'm the type of person where I see it and I go get it. And if, if, if it's a no or it's a, a dead end, I just have to climb the wall or uh, figure another way around it. And that's why I think my partners uh, like that about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you're, you're relentless, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's a way to put it. <clears throat> you make a good point though. Like it's the way entertainment is in all facets. Like even, even music as well. It's like your record labels aren't swooping people up anymore and creating these opportunities. They're, they're, you've got to prove yourself. You have to have X amount of Spotify plays. You have to have X amount of whatever plays before they'll even look at you. Right. So you have to create the the clout yourself before anyone will take a look at you. So it's, you, you seem like you have a balance of both, which is uh, you're on the right podcast. It's the balanced artist podcast. <laughs> no, I know. I love the name and uh, you know, your, your motto. It, that is what I am, but I think it's a benefit knowing both sides. It's like uh, a director, you know, an actor and a director, like a director should, like, I don't have to know how to do hair or how to do wardrobe, but I have to know enough to be able to communicate what, uh, you know, and know what the capabilities are, you know, to where I can communicate properly to each artist. So I think the same goes with business. I think more artists should dabble in the business side, even though they don't want to. What it will do is it will teach you how not to get screwed over you know, I wish I never met them, but the main thing that they did for me, like those type of producers were, uh, they wasted my time, which I, that's the one thing I can't give back. And I wish, uh, you know, I didn't believe their words, but now, I mean, what that did is now I don't trust nobody, you know, uh, before I, uh, unless they have a, unless they have a big resume. Right. Right. I mean, they're, yeah, their track record is, uh, is the proof that they actually uh, are who they say they are. Yeah. And even in even that right, you know, it's still uh, still you don't know about uh, people. And, uh, you know, it takes me a very long time to uh, trust somebody to work with them kind of thing. And and like I said, I think that's the biggest thing in not in even the Hollywood business, but any business is uh, finding the right team because you can't do it yourself. And if you get the few right members, you'd be surprised what you can do. No, Absolutely. Like the so the private eye is is the film, and you said you've been working on it for over a decade. So you probably started writing it, you know, ten years ago, and then it uh, it started like the, uh, writing and developing the project. Yeah, and, and that, uh, that that portion took eight years, by the way, the writing and developing and raising the funds. Well, do you think that the universe loves you because of all these delays? Then we had COVID and stuff like that, and now your principal character is one of the biggest comedians touring today. You, you know, uh, I do. I do. Uh, I, you know, something that we say at Illusion Islands, uh, luck is preparation uh, and timing. And uh, I, I wasn't going, you know, I put too much into, you know, everybody wanted me to finish this movie uh, faster than the way I did it. But I had to hold back 
because uh, the quality was everything. I, you know, I, I myself put a lot of money into this. Uh, and, you know, and I have a lot of other people that put a lot of money into this. So I just wasn't going to let some things go to chance. And uh, I was going to care about it a whole lot. And if I saw something, I was going to say it and fix it. And that's what I did. And it took me a long time. Um, and, you know, and it's a first go at a lot of things. Like, even though I've made a movie from beginning to end before, it was never as the sole director. And, you know, and director, the biggest thing is with the director is uh, if anything goes wrong, good or bad, it all falls down on the director. You know, you're only as good as your last movie kind of thing. So I wasn't going to let that happen with the private eye. And uh, there goes the preparation. Uh, timing, yeah, I think there was a few people that uh, blew up, you know, one being Matt Reif. Uh, that, I'm so proud of him. I just actually, today, uh, he released his Natural Selection uh, Netflix special. Uh, I don't know if you've watched it yet, but definitely watch it if you get a chance. It's phenomenal. And I'm so proud of the guy. I actually never been to a con like Matt Reif. It was Matt Reif, Eugenia Kuzmina, and Elliot uh, were my first comedy show I've ever been to. And it was in New York City. And uh, we were filming, we were on set of something. And uh, uh, I, I went to New York City with those uh, those three and uh, I got to see him in the comedy show. But, uh, you know, he's coming a long way now. Uh, Netflix, uh, his Netflix special in D.C. Uh, looked really good and, uh, you know, felt real good. And also, you know, Eric Griffin, he's also an actor in The Private Eye. He directed that. So, I'm, I'm you know, I'm so proud of them and they did so well. Man, we've got some of the best independent artists in the world. I, I believe one of the independent kings in the acting world. Like, I mean, he's he's so I mean, he does big blockbusters too. But uh, he's one of my favorite actors, and uh, uh, and I was introduced to him by Hope Ayiyi. Uh, his name is Denzel Whitaker. I mean, that guy. I don't know if you've uh, caught up on his stuff, but man, that guy is a king. I had a conversation uh, with him yesterday, actually. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? Then he's, he's a genius. They're all geniuses. I, I surround myself. I might not be the smartest, but I surround myself with freaking geniuses. That's you know? the key, man. That's the key to success is that you know what your limitations are, and then you try to fill those with people more talented than you. You know, I'm going to touch on it a little bit. I know I've touched on it on a lot of uh, interviews, but it's working horizontal. You know, a lot of people, they try to work vertical. They try to get the biggest people in the industry and be connected with them instead of working with the best people in the industry, even though they might not be the most famous, you know, but they're the best in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Time and then and timing is everything. Like it reminds me of the Dumb and Dumber situation where he did, he got paid very little for that movie, uh, Jim Carrey, but then like Ace Ventura dropped and then, you know, it took off to the stratosphere, right? So it's uh, yeah, yeah. the Fairly Brothers could basically bought the stock low and, you know, maybe that's the same with Matt. You never know, right? No, I, you know, I, and this is just between us, uh, you know, I mean, not between us, between the whole world now on the <laughs> podcast. I mean, this is just, this is the beginning for Matt Rife, man. Uh, the Private Eye is about to show off his acting chops. He's got another movie coming out before where he's, uh, uh, he's, he's the lead supporting actor. It's uh, the main actor is Jamie Kennedy, and he goes on a comedy tour, and Matt plays a, a vampire that uh, is a comedian. Uh, but, and you're going to see, you know, Oh, you're, Matt's phenomenal in that. Uh, that movie's phenomenal. Uh, uh, I actually never seen it yet, but from what I hear, and my friend uh, produced it. His name is Jay Davis. He was a producer on the movie, and you know I trust his opinion with quality, hundred percent. But uh, definitely go see that. I think it comes out in December, I believe. So uh, definitely see Matt. Matt, 
but the private eye is a you know it's a mystery romance it's got you know you could say dark comedy but it's more like the uh you know the graduate comedy where it's more uh situational comedy and it's a serious movie and matt is just unbelievable uh so this is just a beginning for matt rife i, I think matt's going to continue to pack stadiums with comedy but uh hollywood's uh already got him in the views and uh Whoever gets to work with him on these big studio projects that he's about to do is going to be very lucky and fortunate. That's awesome. So now you are, you're in Ohio, you're in your thirties. What if like hypothetically you were in your twenties again, would you do anything different or it all worked out for you? You know, uh, I'm so glad everything didn't work out the way it did. I, I believe because now I have a foundation like that's so strong that it can't be broken. Uh, I think before I wanted everything to move too fast and I wanted to just get to the finish line. And once you get to the finish line, you realize, man, it was all about that journey, man. Those curves, ups and downs. That's the only thing you'll remember. You know, the uh, you know, the, the, the ending and the finish line. There's one thing that happens and that's, well, what's the next journey? <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, people, I think young Hollywood filmmakers and young people that want to get into the industry. Uh, just try to figure out what it means to uh, to enjoy the journey and uh, enjoy the uh, what is it called? Uh, enjoy the process. You you have to understand that. And once you do, making movies or any business you do is going to be phenomenal, and you'll enjoy every second of it. No, oh, totally. When does the movie drop? It's in February. It's everywhere in theaters nationwide in February. So what was the catalyst, do you think, that kind of launched this thing off the ground? You had this vision, then you had the script, and then you were just waiting on financing. Did you have someone with deep pockets who just believed in this and decided, let's make a go with this? No, no, no. Uh, I uh, I didn't – it didn't just by waiting. I, I mean, I, I I called it persistence, patience. You know what I mean? You got to be patient. You can't give up, but you, you can't just wait there for the opportunity to come. You have to push, push, push. Uh, you know, I live by a quote and it works very well with, uh, uh, you know, at all businesses. And maybe it's like a sales thing in a way. It's very much being like a sales, uh, you know, but it's, it's don't do business, make friends and tell them your problems. So like any time that somebody would bring something up, I only I had a one track mind forever. I think that's focus is key on a lot of things. Whatever you focus on, you will get. If you focus on complaining, I don't want to clean up. Uh, well, you'll get a messy life. You know, if you focus on, oh, I need to find investors for this movie. It might take you eight years, but you'll do it. You know, and that's where I came in. And uh, basically, just a long story short, I, I start writing this movie and I start asking for investors and nobody wanted to invest in a neo-noir. Uh, and I, I, I had some big names attached, and but they wanted to make it for $20 million. I could not raise $20 million. Every investor I talked to that was investment group that didn't give me the money, they wanted horror films. So I actually uh, started, I wrote a horror film. Uh, we're actually filming it in Kentucky where we got the tax incentive. Uh, we're going to film some of it in Cincinnati. Uh, but uh, long, long story short, we thought we had the budget for the uh, horror film now. And uh, COVID hit 2020. Uh, we lost all the budget for the horror. Uh, we thought, you know, COVID would only last two months, but it didn't. So come May, we lost the funding. So we took Private Eye off the shelf. And uh, at first we were like, all right, look, we're making this movie in September. And so uh, I wanted to cast Matt Reif. I knew he was the perfect lead for this Mort Madison character. 
So I asked Matt to come on. And when he came on, it was us four just, you know, using all our favors to make a movie and create our own opportunity. And we all had the same vision and we, you know, we just made it happen. But come September, uh, we thought <laughs> the movie ended up costing double what we thought it was, more than double. Uh, and I ended up, uh, you know, putting in ha uh, 50000 even with uh, my, my partner, Elliot, and I. We, we put a lot of our own investment in. But investors, I, I found it funny. I learned this lesson. Investors are easier to invest in you if you're actually doing the movie compared to uh, if it's your an idea. People don't like investing in ideas. Uh, but if things are, you know, we're getting it casted, we, we're getting bigger names in it, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that, that really uh, makes an investor, oh, this is actually happening compared to, oh, this guy's got a big dream. Your, your story sounds a lot like Sylvester Stallone. I, I hope that it works out for you just like he did. Be a great, yeah. uh, a great well, I, that's, that's very flattering you say that. And, you know, as somebody I definitely look up to as an independent filmmaker, you know, you got to, and, and mine was a little different because at some point they were offering Sylvester Stallone a lot of money not to play Rocky. He just, he, he brought up a good point in an interview. The studios weren't ready for him to, uh, you know, he, he comes from being a broke, struggling actor. So is that how you raised your money? You, you told them you wouldn't be in the film? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, I raised my money uh, because they started, like I had to do all these hoops uh, doing co-directing and stuff. And people started trusting me as a director. Uh, no, like, you know, Matt Reif wasn't uh, famous as uh, uh, when I when I hired him. You know, he, he was just a perfect actor for the role. Like, literally, he was, dude, he, the guy's a phenomenal actor. Like, that that's what I'm so excited uh, for you to see is uh, you've never seen Matt Reif act, right? Like, I mean, dude, man, you're just going to be blown away. And uh, that's what I'm really excited for this world to see is uh, the performances of the actor's chemistry. Uh, Claire Grant and Matt Reif have some of the best chemistry I've ever seen on camera. And I can't wait for the world to see it. Where can we see it when it comes out in February? Uh, in theaters everywhere. Uh, we're going to do theaters first. Uh, I love the old way of filmmaking. I love movie theaters, uh, you know, and uh, they're not going anywhere. And to me, that's that's uh, that's that's you know my big payoff is seeing the movie in the theaters. That's awesome. All right. How can how can we support you uh, during this release between now and February? Well, definitely get your tickets. Tickets will go on sale. Uh, Three weeks to eight weeks before, we're going to do some pre-sales this coming December uh, for movie tickets. So definitely come out to the theater and, you know, watch The Private Eye. Right now we have merchandise. Uh, we have some awesome T-shirts and you can buy the movie poster on illusionislands.com. Uh, but, you know, just become aware and tell your friends that there's going to be the awesome movie, this awesome movie called The Private Eye that stars some amazing, uh, wonderful people. That's great. I can't wait to see it, man. And I appreciate you sharing all this with us today. It's been fun talking to you. Yeah, Rory, you too, man. Thank you for the conversation. Uh, man, I, I, I'm so glad to have you, uh, you know, have me on this podcast. And, you know, I wish you luck with everything you do, Rory. And it, it means a lot to be on here talking. That's all we've got for this episode of the podcast. We have new shows every week. So remember to hit subscribe and share this episode with anyone you think could benefit from becoming a balanced artist.